Hello, friends, and thanks for tuning in once again to the Wilderness and Wellness Podcast. This episode is a discussion with Southwest bioregional herbalist, forager, and author John Slattery. In this episode, John offers a message of healing, hope, connection, and personal empowerment in the midst of the fog caused by the COVID-19 virus. John and I touch on the current social fallout from the recent events, including the fear that is being spread, and we discuss ways to stand in our own power in light of the fear and uncertainty. John talks about the power of the plants as allies and healers, even when not ingested or used in conventional herbal applications. John discusses our ability to approach the natural world and the plants directly to receive direction, guidance, and healing, and how this can prepare and strengthen us for times such as these. He also talks about the idea of getting to the heart of the matter and not becoming lost in nuance when it comes to healing and personal connection. Finally, John relays his experience with a few specific herbs that he has found to be of particular benefit for treating the coronavirus. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Wilderness and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Walleen. This podcast is an exploration of the ways that people can reconnect to the natural world through bushcraft, naturalist skills, and time spent immersed in the nature they find around and within them. We also discussed how this reconnection can increase our individual well-being and that of our communities and the earth. Thank you for joining me. I'm really glad you're here. Hello, friends. Glad to have you back for another episode of the podcast and excited to share this conversation with John with you. And uh, it was a really fun conversation to have some really deep topics. And uh, John just knows how to really go deep and speak to the heart and uh, really appreciate the energy that he brought to the discussion and the love he has for the plants and, and all that. And because we talk about issues such as this coronavirus and health issues and, you know, treating them with some herbs and that kind of stuff, I'm going to have to do a disclaimer. (laughs) So this episode is for educational purposes only. The information provided here is not intended to diagnose, treat, or provide a cure for any illness. You are responsible for your own health. And as with conventional medicine, herbal medicine is vast and complex and must be used responsibly. And that being said, people can react differently to different remedies. In short, you are responsible for your own choices and please be smart. I've been familiar with John's work for a little while. Um, I got his book, Southwest Foraging, a few years back and it's been really uh, awesome to use that book to, to get out and find some really great resources that the, the desert and the natural world has to offer. And uh, recently, he just came out with his newest book, Southwest Medicinal Plants, in February of this year, 2020. And uh, it's really been an amazing resource for me as I'm learning a new area here in the Sonoran Desert. And I had the opportunity to pick up uh, my copy of Southwest Medicinal Plants, which I pre-ordered last year from John directly, and got to meet him, spend some time with him, learn from him. And I'm just very, very impressed with his not only his depth of knowledge, but his depth of uh, character and his depth of relation with the plants themselves. And uh, he's one of those people that 
I just really feel the plants almost speak through him and almost use him in a way to communicate to us. And, uh, so he's, he's just a very powerful conduit in that way. So I really appreciate the work he's doing and, and really glad he came on to share that wisdom and knowledge with us for this discussion. So uh, I'll introduce you to John here. John Slattery is a bioregional herbalist, educator, and forager who is passionate about helping people develop deep and meaningful relationships with wild plants. His work has been influenced by indigenous healers throughout the Americas, herbalist Michael Moore, and most importantly, the wild plants and places of the Sonoran Desert. John is the founder of Desert Tortoise Botanicals, a bioregional product company in Tucson, Arizona, Desert Forager, which specializes in prickly pear products, and the Sonoran Herbalist Apprenticeship Program, believing, as he does, that all education is ultimately experiential. So uh, without further ado, here is my discussion with John. Enjoy. I was just talking with a friend yesterday saying, you know, you know, we're going to bounce back from this, but it's not going to be the same. It's going to be totally different. Um, and maybe not totally different, but you know, there's some irrevocable changes that are going on here. And I, I can't say that I know what those are going to be, but I feel like this is a place that, um, you know, at least in our modern society, uh, you know, within the last 50 years or whatever that we, we've never seen anything like this. And there's going to be a lot of changes. And I wonder when, when we all do kind of come out of this, are we going to come out more healed or more lethargic, you know, because I, I, I feel like, you know, like you were talking about just a moment ago, there's a lot of people with, with a lot of fear and they're making decisions and moving forward with that fear. And, um, you know, maybe becoming not in a very good place. And then I'd see a lot of other uh, people who are using this as an opportunity to take a breath and to heal and to, you know, kind of recenter and regroup. And uh, I just wonder when we come out on the other side, you know, obviously there's going to be a mix, but I wonder what's going to be the prevailing mix. Are we going to be better off? Are we going to, you know, have the the stress kind of wiped away a bit from not having to do that daily grind anymore uh, collectively? Or is it going to be more of a, you know, I've been kicking back and just binge watching whatever all the time and not eating well and not getting out and that kind of stuff, you know, so it'll be interesting to see what it's going to be like. I do feel it's an essential turning point right now. Right. And I think you described kind of two potential possibilities, you know, in, in two different zones of approach to, you know, the scenario that we're in. Right. One is to become engaged and to, to face it and to take an opportunity to look at oneself, look at the world around you and make a decision like, what do I choose? you know, make a conscious choice. Right. And, um, and, and, you know, like we we're talking about earlier, surrendering to the extent that you don't know, but then also making a choice of what you really believe in, you know, some walking that fine line between completely letting go yeah. and sticking to what you believe in. And, um, I find that being the, like the, the murky waters have cleared. Mm. You know, even between, you know, amongst people that frequent similar uh, 
spaces or or their their worlds overlap and maybe the divisions weren't apparent mm. but it seems now that divisions are becoming more apparent coming and, to the surface more correct yeah and i would only hope that 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 those divisions emerging would give us cause to reflect more deeply mm. to see you know is this division essential or you know in what way do i contribute to this division because i do believe that they're you know they're they're not as real as who we really are right you know it's something that we've we've taken on as a belief system perhaps that then you know creates this dividing line between us especially when you know some degree of disrespect starts to happen right and i think i'm putting it mildly in in the way that i see some people relating to each other now you know if politics weren't bad enough in the past uh, the irony is that you know politicians are getting on the same side of things and then and then people are reflecting you know what was the worst of politics over the past several years in terms of division and uh, calling each other out or whatever however you might want to put it but right. yep. uh, I'm trying too. to focus on what's what I can do and be the best example of that for anybody not to say that you can do as I do but that do right. what you can do right control what you can control and what you can't let go of you know let and uh, yeah, that's been something I've, that's kind of been on the forefront of my mind as well. Like, you know, with all this, there's all these conspiracy theories and, you know, just a lot of negative stuff coming up in the media. And, and I feel like people get very, very zoned in on things like that. And they kind of mm -hmm. go down this, this, uh, this path of focusing on that. And, and back to what you said, you know, we, I, I at least for me, I feel it's better uh, for me and my family and, and those in my surroundings to, you know, focus on what we can control, focus on what we have power over. And, and in all reality, it always comes back to ourselves. You know, what, what can I mm. do and what positivity can I, uh, you know, bring into my own life? What's, what, you know, divine source I can tap into whatever that is for other people, you know, to, to bring about the best and to share that with others and, and all that. And, um, and not not make decisions and not move forward from a place of fear and and all that so yeah that's definitely what the the plants have been have been sharing with me of yeah late. share some of that and um it's it's been entirely inspiring from you know as we were talking about earlier i was saying that i've been through some kind of intense training over you know from in February, throughout February into March. And uh, I remember that one of the initial days when the wave really hit um, the pandemic uh, hysteria and, uh, and even a couple days before really much had come out in the news, but just that was mm -hmm. the intensity of what's happening in Italy and it's, it's on its way. And I remember like at least 36 hours where you could, you could read everything there was <laughs> practically online in English, you know, right. and get through it. And then just that wave came in. But in that interim, that initial point of, of stillness, almost I, I went out because I recognized the immediacy of this and started going to, to gather some medicines that I knew would be important and could feel the, the full aliveness of the landscape mm. and the 
quality of the medicine, not just in my in terms of what I know this plant's good for or that plant's good for, but as living beings, like as as allies, you know, uh, they're almost seeing to me what what they're capable of. Mm, yeah. And and uh, the the fullness, you know, the richness that I felt being out there, um, it was it was uplifting and inspiring and. Uh, and made me just want to immerse myself in it more fully. Hmm. So that That's was just, inspiring. that was, you know, that was kind of just the beginning and of like a, a nice little pep talk and we didn't <laughs> really get much into strategy yet, but it was just like getting the spirits up. Right. And that, that really helped me to dive, dive right in. And, um, and then from there, you know, as, as I started to go out, continuously almost every every day or every other day in the first couple of weeks of this uh checking in with the plants um, you know this really uh you spent a little time out there with me ron in the past and uh i'm not sure everything uh i've shared in your presence but mm. for me this this work really started out as a spiritual path it was uh, an awakening to myself yeah. And then eventually became a business out of necessity when I was, you know, taking up nearly all of my time with it and I still needed to eat. Mm. But I had marginalized my need to, to work and earn money to such an extent that I could fully immerse myself in it without, without concern. And, uh, and so that the aliveness of that, you know, original pull for me and the original connection to the plant world was really come out fully and it's been you know an underlying thread throughout this time and so i've been you know as i go out alone as my practice in general uh checking in with the plants uh, through a meditative practice and through the honor and respect in the way that i know how to offer that to the plants um seeking knowledge uh, and understanding from them right about myself about what they are um to us as humans, how they exist in their in their landscape and their ecology, and I just attempt to understand whatever I can from many different perspectives. But the 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 pertinence that I felt of what's happening now, it, it extended beyond myself and my immediate world in such a poignant way, hmm. like nothing I had ever experienced before. Yeah. Um, I can remember when 9-11 happened and the first humans that I encountered that knew that news, you know, that shared it with me and just how I, the cohesiveness of the uh, being startled, if nothing else, right. the cohesiveness between them. Was, I, I was racking my brain for about five very long seconds as I walked up to the house and saw them together. I was like, what could possibly, how, you know. Yeah, and running through my mind, the role of the next possibility is like nothing adds up. How can they all be looking like this? Mm. You know, but now I feel like that is just exponentially larger mm. under this under this circumstance. Um, so, in that regards, you know, when I go out and spend time with the plants, they it's it's a relevant conversation. It's a relevant topic for conversation, right. and um, so the, the plants really answered my questions initially and led me on some <clears throat> interesting paths of exploring herbs that have, without me sharing much of that with anybody has been validated in a sense between a, what other herbalists have already written about these plants 
what other herbalists are, are saying in their experience with using these plants or even with research that I've, I've undertaken to un better understand uh, the pathophysiology of the virus, which is, you know, it seems increasingly complex. Um, if, if not for, um, you know, the, the fluidity of a virus in, you know, is just in its natural state, but for possibly a lot of the misinformation yeah. that is, that is or, or, you know, misinformed <laughs> information. Right. Information based on assumptions or whatever it may be, even at the, at the scientific level. Mm. So, uh, very, very complex. I appreciate anyone that can distill it down yet still be open-minded. Right. Cause that seems very rare. Yeah. And, and now is a time for open-mindedness. I mean, we, we, it, we've had very little time as, you know, as, as human beings, as scientists, as people studying this healthcare professionals to really get a hold of what we're dealing with. I mean, there's been a lot of work, but it really, and, and I'm no, expert on anything related to this, but it seems to me that we have not really had an opportunity to, to really delve in and, and find out all the things we need to and, and understand what the best approaches are. I mean, we're, it seems like we're kind of giving it a wide berth right now, which is a good thing. Um, and yet there's still so much knowledge to be gained to figure out what, what this is and, and what we can do to prepare ourselves for it. And, and that's kind of why I wanted to to talk to you, you know, to see what uh, what you can tell us, you know, and what the natural world has uh, mm -hmm. unfolded to you in this way. Um, you know, what what things can we do? And and if you don't mind, John, if you can kind of give us a little bit of your background, your training and education, and uh, you know what you've been doing in this this world of healing and herbs and and all that. Well, yeah, I mean. I say, by and large, I've been educated by by the plants themselves in the natural world. It's not to say that I'm entirely self-taught and um, I've had really important mentors, mm. but where it all began for me was was in in the wild landscape with the plants. Nice, and 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 that's undoubtedly where it will end, too. But along, along the way, there's been really important teachers for certain things for me um, from the human world, plant world, and, and elsewhere, from the immaterial to the material world. But many, I've had many, the influence of many indigenous people in my life that initially reflected this back to me, that this was my path to kind of wake me up mm -hmm. and shake me up and, uh, and show me where I needed to, to apply myself. And I resisted that for, for quite a while and, um, you know, and, and, and doubted really. It was my struggle to, you know, to accept myself in that way and uh, entertain the possibility even. And so that, that's where the really, that's where the work really um, happened. You know, it was the work that I really needed to do was to, accept accept this path for myself and have confidence in my ability to to do this work mm. but one of my one of my teachers um who made a big impact was michael moore He's written several books about plants of the southwest and and um kind of helped revitalize practice of herbalism in yeah. north america 
yeah, from the late sixties on. And yeah, so he passed away. Great. He passed away in 2009 and left quite a legacy. You know, I would, things have changed quite a bit in the world of herbalism just in the past decade. But prior to that, I would say that he, you know, there wasn't a single practicing or teaching herbalist that wasn't directly or indirectly influenced by him, Hmm. you know? And in many cases I can see where people are regurgitating things that he brought onto the scene. They didn't even know, you know, that it derives from him. Interesting. So it's, it's happened that quickly, Yeah. you know, and he's not, he's not that far gone, but even when he was still alive, yeah, that was the case. Hmm. So, um, yeah, he really opened my eyes to a lot of the tradition of Western herbalism over the past 100, 150 years. And then, um, you know, brought me to some wonderful wild landscapes uh, to learn about the plants that, that was, that was the direction I was already going, but he greatly accelerated my growth uh, through his uh, guidance. Hmm. And um, it wasn't too long after that, that I was being guided to do the same thing for other people. And so that's, that's, that's what I've been doing for um, 15 years now, um, you know, and had an apprenticeship program for several years that was quite intensive and it was all field-based studies. Hmm. And then uh, one year I did an, I did an addendum to that, which was a study of pathophysiology based on training that I received through what was then called the North American Institute of Medical Herbalism Hmm. in Boulder, Colorado. So I refined some of my concepts of uh, pathophysiology there and um, nutritional therapy and uh, nature cure, vitalism, plant energetics. Um, Some of those were not really interests of mine prior to going there, including Hmm. the nutrition. Yeah. Um, and, but other things were, and so it was like a, it was a nice uh, immersion in new ideas and reinvigorating of, of concepts that I was, you know, just intrinsically attracted to, but hadn't really been in a community yet to develop it in that way. You know, so I was really amazed when I started to realize that people were out, there were people out there like me that had an interest in plants and spent a lot of time with plants. Uh, it just, I felt like I was entirely alone for a long time. And, yeah, it's fun and that's when you what, find your tribe, huh? <laughs> yeah. It was at least like, okay, I'm not entirely crazy. You know, I kind of Still a little, that but there, at we least there's other all, crazy people. <laughs> founded on something at least. Yeah. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, the plants have always been my inspiration. I didn't always accept that, hmm. but they've always been there for me. And um, so I, I trust in the plants as, as much as anything or anyone. And, uh, and I continue to share that with people. Um, well, I started to share that with people uh, as, a, as a means of, you know, testing my belief and, in, in, you know, my faith and what I'm actually doing out there with the plants alone. And let's see how it, you know, really pans out when I, when I include other people in this. And it really just it blew me away. It was beyond, it was beyond what I could even conceived. So now I've learned to just basically facilitate experiences kind of help provide some structure and encourage, uh, basically encourage people to do what, what I once was afraid to do myself or didn't think I had the capacity to do. Hmm. Um, So now I see that back then when I didn't feel like I had the capacity to do it, I've I believe it was a very different time. Hmm. And, you know, 
there's a good time to plant seeds, right? You know, it's when the sunlight's right and, and, and some people take it so far as like the, the moon is in the right phase. And who are we to say? There's a lot of things that we understand. And certainly if we're, I think, intelligent enough to recognize there's plenty of things that we don't understand that influence what's happening around us. And um, whatever we may call it, you know, a, a season of the times that has been changing uh, and changing rapidly now for the last few years where I see more and more people gravitate to, to working with plants. And, um, you know, what's correlated to that is my experience of seeing people's capacity to relate to plants in an intimate way without even ingesting them and receive, you know, receive knowledge, deep impressions, uh, significant poignant impressions upon their whole being. You know, that, that, that doorway is just open wide up mm. and yeah. it's, it's just ready and waiting for us to walk through. Yeah. And I would like to, you know, and you're, you're saying it and I would like to point out as well that that's available to all of us. You don't have to be called to any great work. You don't, one doesn't have to, you know, have some special power. Mm. The plants are there for all of us and and that that communication from them i believe is available to all of us as well it's just whether we choose to accept that or not and are willing to to truly come into communion with them if that makes sense yes yes it does uh yeah i feel there's plenty of people that are more are are inclined to receive that information but then not believe it Mm. or doubt themselves. And I was certainly in that group for a long time. And right. I was in the group of believing that I needed to find a shaman or somebody that was going to facilitate that. And maybe that was more of the, the truth of that era mm. uh, or, and or a combination of the influence of reading Carlos Castaneda books. I don't know, but <laughs> um, it, nonetheless, it, I, I would fully agree with what you're saying. And um uh, and it, it took some time for me to to recognize that, to accept it, and then to, as I was saying, put it to the test with other people. Because I really, I didn't see that outside of my own experience until I, I, I put myself out there and I took the risk and I said, well, let's see how it works with other people. And I started small, you know, because I had only had three apprentices at first and maybe do it with one, two or three people and okay, if it doesn't work, if it's a flop, all right, then, you know, we, it's, there's not that much risk. But I realized how afraid I was to put myself out there simply because I was, I was educated and trained in a way to not respect that type of knowledge, mm. as everyone is essentially in this culture at some level or another. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it saddens me because what I've come to understand is that we have a tremendous amount of power that's locked away within ourselves, within that, those faculties of being able to feel and sense and utilize the heart as a sensory perception organ, mm. not just the reductive methods of our intellect. So it's a, it's a, it's a, maybe you've heard me speak about this before as a, a model for learning from the four directions where we can combine those things, our own experience, our intuition, our dreams, the knowledge of our ancestors that came before us or even elders in our community uh, looking at scientific 
reductive, you know, which we're so good at and we do so prolifically now. Right. Um, I mean, I guess it's arguable how good we are at it in some, in some regards, but <laughs> right. we're doing a lot of it and we tend to hyper-focus on it. So I've been, I've been more inclined to focus on other aspects of that four-directional model to bring more balance into it. And then in the center of all of that, I say we, we alchemically distill or bring into the center, into the heart center, all those directions. So that whatever is most important and appropriate at this time, you know, it, it condenses down into that, into that moment. Um, in other words, like there's so much, there's so much to be, be learned about plants. Just pl- if you're going to look at healing, like just plants alone, let alone so many other things that are out there that can be done. Right. How do you know what to do? How do you know? I mean, diagnosis is a thing in itself, but let's just assume you have any clue what you're doing in terms of diagnosis. and then which which therapy are you going to apply because there's so, once you learn like you go to a school of natural healing or a university program of integrative medicine mm. i see the same thing there where i've been guest faculty for many years that one of the the most common questions is how, how do i know which to use you know if it's right yeah anything you, you name it and so for me that's where i feel like getting to the heart of the matter is really a, an essential approach that our reductive reasoning can go around and around and around and never really never really get there because the, the path is so long there's so much information out there mm. and we can assume that we do and we pat ourselves on the back often enough i think that we are <laughs> but you know it's like when you have an aha moment aha moment when something really hits the center or at least some level of the center you know, it's, it's a felt experience, mm. you know, it, you know, right. I don't think that that's, a, doesn't require validation outside of oneself. Right. You know, if you say something to a friend that they really appreciate and it helps them, it makes them feel seen or it causes them to feel seen, you know, you'll see that look on their face. And in the same way, I, I feel like when we choose a proper remedy for, for someone, if that's what we're talking about, then, you know, that, that will resonate with them in the right way, regardless, mm. even if your logic is faulty to the degree that we understand, you know, the facts, right. Right. Now, that, that to me supersedes, can supersede logic and reasoning right. when our logic and reasoning is insufficient to arrive at the heart of the matter. And so I think it, it takes a degree of humility to understand that it doesn't mean that we're, um, consciously attempting to be ignorant Hmm. it means that we're willfully accepting of our ignorance Hmm. you know and with the capacity to grow beyond it right as opposed to we're we're, we're pre-programmed in a way um you know in my mind through through our environment our society our culture kind of like you were saying before you know um to not be able to reach that heart of the matter type place. Um, but we totally have the capacity to, is that, that's what you're saying? It sounds like. Yes. Yes. But we are misdirected and now we see tremendous amounts of anxiety and depression in our society. And I I don't think that tells it better than, than anything else with those, the rates of anxiety and depression as as they've been soaring. Hmm. And now where we're at in the way things have been, organized socially for the last month um anecdotally i'm hearing that 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 is on the rise yeah sadly Hmm. um 
And um, so in yeah, this time of COVID-19, you know, <clears throat> when we're dealing with all this and as you said, you know, that seems like that, that anxiety and that social uh, weight, so to speak, is creeping into our lives. What, you know, what, how can we prepare our, our bodies, our minds, our home environment to get to the heart of the matter and, and you mm-hmm. know, use that method for, for healing? Well, my, my approach has always been to spend time in nature. I can't say always, but for, for many years now. And by relinquishing my preconceived ideas and, and surrendering myself to the moment, I encounter things that I would never imagine or that I um, can't rationally fathom until I get out of the way of myself. Hmm. And so, you know, it's, it's almost become essential for me to s- speak about things in this way because I see how quickly you know, we, the way that we've been trained, how, how quickly we can get ahead of ourselves and put the cart before the horse and miss what's immediately in front of us. Mm. This was something that I witnessed um, my initial training, which was, um, you know, it was just up, up to me to show up and, and observe it and learn it. Nobody, no one pointed it out to me, but spending time with indigenous people throughout the Americas and just recognizing a different quality of being, a different quality of relationship, um, either between myself and them, um, or between um, themselves and the world around them, or other life forms around them, and just you know allowing that to to settle in for a while without mm. attempting to you know judge it or try to put it within the confines of my understanding of the world, and. I feel there's a lot to learn there for us at this time that would enable us to become more settled in who we are and thus be making better choices for ourselves as we were discussing earlier. And, um, you know, just, I don't think anyone can do anything better for themselves right now than getting out into nature. If you're otherwise quote stuck at home. Right. And I love it when I see people out there taking a walk, around the block, even when, you know, I never see these people walking anywhere. Right. You know? yep. <laughs> Seeing a lot of that lately. <laughs> it's right. awesome. It's good to see. It is. And, um, I would, you know, I would encourage anyone who has an interest in plants and healing. Um, if you have a book, if you have, um, you know, some, some herbs around you, you, you know, Spend some time with the plants, observing them closely. And even though you may not know anything about scientific nomenclature or botany, how to identify plants, think, realize that prior to the invention of botany as we know it, there were people that had relationship with plants. Yep. And they observed plants closely and they had an awareness, regardless of what their language of it may have been of the you know the minute details perhaps of plants so it's it's not something that is as far out of our reach as botanical nomenclature may cause it to seem Mm. so whether you understand you know the names or the structure of of a plant flower or not that's irrelevant but you can get in there and you can appreciate its beauty and i do find that's a wonderful entry point for people who yeah. are 
seeking to either reestablish a relationship with nature or really, you know, stepping out for the first time to become intimately connected with nature. And there's people who spend a lot of time in nature but don't really see plants, you know, unto themselves. They just, there's the classic wall of green, as a lot of people describe it. So, right. you know, to transcend that wall of green, um, you know, just spend some time with some details. And um, I know it's not exactly the, the question you're asking, but I do, I do like to, it's, it's so easily understated. Right. And it's, oh, no, it's, no, please. I'm, I'm loving this. It's perfect. And for me, it's like, I can, I can say some things about, um, like I've, I've spoken a lot about elder in the past, mm, past mm. month or so, because there's a lot of aspects of elder, but there's some controversial aspects of elder um which i don't really give that much time to but um some relevant uh understandings of what elder can do in relationship to a virus respiratory virus mm. so you know i could talk about that but i realized that there's some there, there could potentially be some underlying fears assumptions or other other aspects that people might bring to that information that would undermine their capacity to learn even more from an elder than anything that I could say to them. Well said. So, uh, I would, I don't like to withhold information. I, I feel like I'm relatively generous with the information that I have. It's not so much that it's that, but, um, because of the position that I'm in, having acquired a lot of information and a lot of experience, I, I, I feel like I understand that by me, catapulting ahead to that you know that type of knowledge with people that might have very little knowledge about that plant i'm i'm doing them a disservice mm. you know uh, right. for for people it, what the way i've been referring to it in my classes for a while is that we're going to go back to the five-year-old level <laughs> you know and and i actually had this experience when i was at a teaching at a gathering years ago in, in California where an indigenous herbalist was there um, and she agreed to set, I invited her to sit in on my class and we sat with a tree. Uh, basically I just guided them through a meditation and, um, and most of it was silent. And afterwards I invited them to share some of their experience. And when I, I kept inviting her to, she was reluctant to share anything. And then finally when I did, uh, when I got her to share something, she said that, um, this was not unlike her experience as a young child, five years old, when her grandfather, you know, introduced her to a plant and said, okay, you sit here and, and I'm going to come back in a while. And then, you know, and then he, he asked her later, what do you feel? Hmm. You know, what did you feel? And she said, um, nothing. Okay. You know, she just kind of daydreamed and dilly dallied and, and, and did what little girls do. And then he brought her back the next day. What did you feel? And so until she actually, you know, had something of, of value to share with him about her experience with the plant, did he consider her accomplished at that level of understanding? Hmm. So it was entirely contingent upon her participation and now her awareness of her ability to do that. Yeah. And that's why, you know, people in the past have thought that maybe I was just stingy or... Um, some kind of a, some kind of a Grinch of some sort that I didn't <laughs> want to just get to the point and share the information. But 
I was really trying to do the best by them that Absolutely. I felt that I could and to encourage their capacity within themselves, to enliven that capacity within themselves to have their own relationship. And then, you know, it's kind of like the teach a man to fish type of thing. Right. Where, you know, the world just opens up exponentially from there. Yeah. No, I and, see that. And I appreciate that for sure. That's huge. But, you know, all that aside, um, I might as well share a few more things about elders since I brought it up. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> not, not leave everyone in the, in the lurch, but um, what, okay, starting with what's been controversial is you get some sources say, you know, elderberry should be taken prophylactically for a respiratory virus. That's pretty commonplace for the last... 10, 20 years of herbalism, mainstream. There are some studies that came out uh, on a product from Israel many years ago, and it showed to inhibit uh, neuraminidase, one of the, the enzymes utilized by a virus to be able to attach to a cell. Mm. And so, and it was studied against Tamiflu and showed to be just as effective, if not more so. Mm. Yeah, it tastes good and it doesn't have any harmful side effects and yada yada now so pancakes like, yeah there you go make ice cream with it all yeah. kinds of things take it off the tree in your front yard you know so many so many benefits to it there. Right. but um uh so there's been stories of elder inducing cytokine storms reports of that possible Without getting into a lot of details, what I want to say is that our understanding of herbs is skewed based on the perspective of reality that we carry into herbalism. Mm. And that's true for many herbalists just as much as an MD or a person reading a magazine to learn about which herb to use or what might augment their immunity. And because I feel we're in a climate pre-COVID, post-COVID, whatever you like, of inciting fear through the media as a means of now controlling people's whims to some extent or another, whether it's, you know, going right. to get you to buy this or not do that, whatever the case is, that it's very easily, you know, certain types of information are very easily hijacked to use towards a specific means. Hmm. And so I feel like there's a degree of that that's been done with elder Consciously or unconsciously, I feel like people become, you know, self-appointed deputies of other people's safety and well-being. And I don't think that, I don't, I feel like that attention is misapplied to elder. And that, in fact, elder is much more of a modulatory uh, agent on our immune system function than being as unidirectional as some of these implications may indicate. Hmm. Explain that a little bit. Accusations may indicate. So um, the accusations are that the elder will induce uh, proviral inflammatory cytokines Mm. from the immune system. That's the big fear, not just of COVID, but other types, you know, SARS and MERS. It was way more aggressive as is evidenced by the significantly higher death rates from MERS and SARS, even though, Okay, this is a whole other topic of discussion. <laughs> even though the 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 amount, the numbers of cases were exceptionally lower, even like we had already far exceeded the, the known cases, the recorded cases of MERS, 
in this country, you know, the cases, the recorded cases that uh, of MERS that occurred um, whenever that was, a decade or so ago, mm-hmm. we had already exceeded those with COVID-19 in early March mm-hmm. in this country, you know. But again, that's a whole other discussion as to whether those are valid or not. But um, the the cytokine storm that's induced as a consequence of the viral shedding and the vi- virus replicating throughout our system and then our inability to right ourselves once again, once the, once the virus has enabled, let's call it a cascade of events through our immune system as to cause a sort of autoimmune type reaction. Hmm. I say autoimmune because it's, it's causing our immune system to work against ourselves. Right. right. That's that it can, um, it can weaken us through inflammate, excessive inflammation in the lungs which then induces uh, edema or a pooling of fluid within the lungs. And that's the understanding um, from early on in this epidemic, although there's different stories coming out and it's been really difficult to, to parse all of it, to mm-hmm. be honest. But um, it stands, still stands that that has happened to people and that's where people really go south is when their lungs fill up with fluid. Right. And there's a, there's a particular ratio that some uh, ER doctors have shared where the neutrophils, which are a type, a very common type of white blood cell, far outnumber our lymphocytes, um, which is another type of white blood cell. And, and that becomes extremely outnumbered, like 30 to 1, and then that's it. Nobody comes back from that. Wow. So, you know, there's... And this is what they're calling the cytokine storm. A cytokine storm, yeah, is a is a is a, a media term you might call it for when the proviral inflammatory compounds become you know far outnumber the antiviral. Okay. Yeah. So hmm. we have you know we have inflammation. We've become so obsessed with inflammation most of the past couple of decades, and what's anti-inflammatory, but you know, inflammation is essential for healing. Right. That's important to remember, you know, and a fever is, is part of that. So, you know, that to, to relieve symptoms isn't always a good thing. And it's, it's, it's relative to the context, mm-hmm. you know, so that there's a lot of nuance that goes, that should be applied to all medicine, right. and healthcare, right. preventative, and especially acute therapy. And I think, um, you know, systems like they have in China can be certainly more nuanced to that, to that extent. But even in Western herbalism, we're, we're still, we're still lacking considerably in that way. Mm. And I feel partly it's because the unfortunate, um, the unfortunate, um, what's the word I want to use, inclination of herbalists over the past couple of decades to shift our discussion and our language towards um, towards reductivist mm. a reductivist approach to herbs, so as to be validated by the medical community. Right. Yeah. Which is, um, you know, that's that's the redheaded stepchild trying to <laughs> yeah, trying to please the parent. It's just really never gonna. Right. Um, it's never, never gonna happen. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> never be the same in in their eyes and and probably appeal to the 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 public in a way in in some ways as well who 
right. largely informed by allopathy and, and the, you know, the, the current medical system we have. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And it's, um, you know, there we are with the, all those assumptions once again, you know, right. that we have to think things have to measure up to our assumptions in order to be accepted. Right. And, um, so anyhow, uh, my approach to herbalism is tried. I've tried to look at it with an open mind. Let 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 me be disproved. Let my viewpoints be disproved in some regards, so that I understand it better. But what herbs have really? Because I don't just understand herbs from scientific studies. Right. I don't just understand it from classic textbooks. I don't just understand it from what my teacher taught me. But I understand it from all of that combined with my experience with the plants. Right. And that's what our ancestors had. And that's what's available to us if we choose to reawaken to it. So that's, you know, why I spent so much time talking about that, I believe. Right. And then, you know, when, when the so-called specialist or when the institution says, don't use elderberry, you know, you've got a whole reservoir of knowledge to draw upon where you can check that yourself. Mm. I think the reason why we're really so strung up on what the experts say is because there's a dearth of personal experience. Yeah. And then the when fear. We, and so the, the, the fear is due to a sense of lack. Right. I must not know. I do not have. Please give it to me. Hmm. But I feel that, you know, the beauty, of, the, the beauty of being a human on this earth is that we are intrinsically a part of nature. If we just right now turn around and acknowledge it, there's, yeah. a, there's a capacity for us to be fulfilled by that. And in that way, it's non-linear. We don't need to turn back the clock on our whole life to then develop a stack of experiences. Right. Even though I feel that, you know, that solidifies our integrity even more so. But I do believe that because of its holistic nature, we can turn to it now for that fulfillment and in which can be fulfilling as it is even in the face of, you know, every, all the challenges that, that we just described. Right. So, yeah, uh, that's um, definitely a long-winded answer <laughs> response to <laughs> the elder situation, but hopefully, um, hopefully a useful um, uh, creation of context right. for that. And so I don't think it's a problem. Uh, I'll also say, I'll also state that I do, I do, leave open the possibility that somebody could be injured or, you know, experience harm in some way after taking elderberry. Mm. Can we necessarily blame it hundred percent on elderberry? Probably not. Um, would it, would it very likely happen in this, in this environment under certain circumstances? You betcha. But right. you know, all the other things, come on, we have to, that's where the assumptions come in again. Right. You know? So it's, it's, it's really hard in this world to, to parse out information without first recognizing at least the potential for those assumptions. But that's the beauty about having the relationship with the plants. Any assumptions there, I brought them. Right. And yep. so I've been working on myself and my students to develop the faculty of discernment, which means that we seek try attempt work to see clearly what it is that we bring hmm. and therefore everything else that's there 
is is true and real because it's it's an interface with nature and my experience is that nature doesn't have an ego to you know pursue its own agenda but you know certainly may be ambivalent to us at, at times but right my experience again and not just myself what i observe with so many other people when we go there with our heart open there's there's so much that can be relatable to our own experience not just because we've conjured it up but because i i feel the natural world recognizes us mm. and can reflect back to us who we are in the truest sense right and and therefore we do develop that discernment because it's it's not just through our own analyzation of ourselves, but it's it's this biofeedback biofeedback bio mechanism with the natural world. Yeah, nature's the mirror. So that's you know that that's kind of how I've you know how I started to educate myself on on coronavirus and and surrender myself to not knowing, um, and be how would I say it? You know, I guess courageous enough mm. to accept the answers that nature gives me without being judgmental, you know, without saying, okay, well, I'm going to check that out. But, you know, if I'm going to check it out, it's going to be with myself. Right. You know, right. am I like I was just relating? am I projecting this mm. or is it something true? And so, um, yeah, that's, that's one of the ways that I came to working with elder and I found that it's a really important plant and I think that it can help a lot of people to prevent, um, pre prevent attachment of the virus as we were discussing earlier, right. help improve the immunological response during it and perhaps even uh, assist in, in recovery as well. Um, and, and the way, the part of the elder plant that I've been focusing on is in fact the, the leaf. Hmm. Um, so the leaf, it's a bit of an interesting story. I'll, I'll certainly try to keep, <laughs> keep this short because, uh, <laughs> I actually have to go to the, go, go pick someone up shortly. No but, um, uh, Michael Moore, one of my teachers, he wrote about elder and, he related that the leaf stem and bark were relatively toxic and generally not used in some of our species here even more so. So I've kind of just set that aside for a long time. Herbalist Stephen Harry Buhner kind of resuscitated this several years ago through his own research and trials and, you know, making the medicine himself, ingesting it himself, and found it to be really not the case at all that it was toxic. Wow. Okay, it does elder in all of its parts, and they're certainly present in the leaves and the stems, does con contain hydrocyanogenic compounds, which are nauseating to many people. They're similar to what's in, in, um, in cherry, you know, in the pits mm. of, of other rose, fa of rose family plants, uh, pits of apricot kernels, um, and, uh, and, and some almond, you know, almonds have that cherry flavor sometimes. Right. You crush a a choke cherry leaf and you smell that those are the hydrocyanogenic compounds huh. also in the in the bark of choke cherry so cherry choke cherry bark is a classic cough remedy right. part of that is the effect of the hydrocyanogenic compounds it relaxes the lungs hmm. and um so it becomes anti-tussin so you do have a potential i guess some people who may 
have a harder time clearing hydrocyanogenic compounds. Might be because of current intake of pharmaceuticals or other things in the diet or just a genetic predisposition that they could easily become nauseated from a small amount internally of fresh elder. Hmm. I've seen it, uh, people eat one fresh berry, you know, and ingest the seeds and that makes them nauseous quickly. Interesting. Um, I have not witnessed it yet in anyone who's using the, the fresh leaf. Um, a fresh leaf, not just eating it or making a tea, but um, maybe ingesting the tea or a tincture. Fresh plant tincture is another way that I'm doing that. And it's probably as many as like, um, uh, what would it be? Close to a teaspoon a day. In my personal experience, uh, Stephen, he and his partner did, did far more than that in a day for an extended period of time, weeks or even months, actually. And so they didn't have that problem at all. So it's, it's a wonderful thing because, A, early in the season, that's all you're going to find are leaves. And so the, the flowers can be, um, you know, they can pass much more quickly in certain climates. And then the berries... Um, you know, the berries and flowers, there's, aren't, there just isn't as much. But when we start to entertain the use of the, the leaves and the bark and the stems, now we can actually get a lot more medicine. So there's many, many reasons why I really appreciate using, using the leaves. And so we, I've been making some formulas uh, alongside Stephen's, uh, Stephen Buhner's recommendations, um, which you can read some papers on what he's written about coronavirus on his, uh, his website. Um, Stephen Herod Buner. Yeah, I noticed he's been updating quite a bit too as, as right. new information comes. And so that's great. And um, he wrote about coronaviruses specifically in his herbal antivirals book in um, 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so he has herbs recommended already. Yeah, it's not the same thing supposedly as what's out there right now. Right. We're still trying to suss that out on a daily basis. But um, so. He has a number of herbs recommended. Um, many of them are not available locally. They come from outside of, certainly outside of my region, sometimes out of the country. But what I've been working on, it, you know, his, his research dovetails with what I've been working on for a long time, is trying to find not just replacements of other herbs from other locales in our, in our local bioregion, but understanding herbs within my local bioregion well enough that if somebody brings an herb from elsewhere, I say, what does it do? You know, let me taste it. And then, you know, either studying it or ingesting it and I say, oh, okay, this is similar to this, hmm. you know, you know, this, some other herb that we have. So few herbs have been studied in the Sonoran Desert, pretty much none, unless they happen to come from elsewhere Right. You know, herbs that have been naturalized in other continents where they actually study herbs or maybe they're um, they're coming up from Mexico or herbs that, you know, reach just beyond the border into the U.S., but they're prevalent in Mexico. So they're studied down there, but not up here. So those are ways that I've been able to gain information about plants. Rarely is it studied here. One of them being chia. Maybe one of the plant I'll, I'll talk about briefly is that um, chia uh, our native chia, Salvia columbariae, is, um, is a wonderful herb. And I knew it for many years and harvested the seeds and so forth, but didn't know it as a, such a, um, a broadly applicable medicinal herb. Hmm. Salvia, right? I mentioned the genus. It's a close relative of a sage. And there's other types of chia 
throughout the Southwest, and some of them are, are salvia as well. So there's a, a Chinese medicinal called salvia miltioriza, or red sage. Um, Chinese call it danshen. And so Stephen has that uh, in his protocol as well for several reasons, um, one of which is probably most importantly, it modulates cytokine release. And, um, and it has particular compounds. Okay, so try to do this as quickly as possible. Red sage contains tangenones and miltionones. Chia, I'll spare you the story for a moment of how it, how it got to this point, but somebody figured this out and did the study. Chia contains cryptotangenones and tangenone 2A, which are both present in, in red sage. Well, it's about, Chia contains about one-third the amount of tangenone 2A, but contains about five times the amount of cryptotangenones. Mm. When we ingest cryptotangenones, our liver converts them to tangenone 2A. So now all of a sudden, chia has twice the amount of, uh, you might say, tangenone potential in the human body than salvia miltioriza. Salvia miltioriza has been studied so much in China that there's about two or three 500-page volumes written on this plant. Wow. And they make saline solutions out of these, these um, diterpene compounds that I was just talking about to give to people in the hospital that are victims of stroke to prevent death or to bring them back from myocardial infarction. They're significant cardiovascular remedies. Wow. So I learned all this, applied it to our chia, started making tincture of the whole plant, gave it to one person who had recently experienced open heart surgery, didn't tell her what I was giving her, but only you know, we just take it in small doses. So it's like a proving. Mm. And people can just experience it without me priming their mind about what it's going to do. This person immediately, you know, puts her hand, not immediately, but once, once we come around to discuss what we experienced, puts her hand on her chest and says, I feel, I feel things around my heart. Like she's kind of like looking at herself like, can this be? What's going on? <laughs> I feel my heart. You know, I feel this area like for the first time since I had the surgery. Wow. And that's with like five drops of the tincture. <laughs> and then I had another uh, student that was able to cure himself of his palpitations from just using chia tincture. Wow. So I'm, using, I'm utilizing that anecdotal evidence and experience to extrapolate other properties of red sage and utilizing chia in formulas to protect the cells and to help modulate inflammation. Um, for what is known to occur with SARS coronaviruses. Hmm. So that's an, that's that's stemming from, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of research there, but it's also stemming from my experience with the plant. So this right. is back to that four-directional model, where you, and it all comes from getting out and observing and spending time with the plants, getting to know their ecology, getting to know their behaviors, their habitats. I just went out harvesting some last weekend and I was going to a known place and uh, it was looking really dry and it was a pretty limited watershed. So I thought, we're not going to explore this anymore. I'm going to go over the ridge. I got a better sense of another spot, you know, where I think we can find it. And sure enough, carved up like in the, the, almost like a long contour across these hills and, and through, the, through the, the drainages, there were, you know, large patches of chia. Wow. It's almost like, you know, without me realizing it, sometimes the plants are, are leading me in the right direction. Hmm. 
um, and cause some, you know, there's some plants that aren't so obvious where they grow, but when, when you find them, they're abundant. Hmm. So that's, um, that's an exciting, that's an exciting one for me. And Chia, I'll also mention, um, not necessarily easy to introduce to your home landscape, but I've done so and had success from just scattering seed at the right time of year. Nice. Yeah. So that's another really important thing that I like for people to understand. Uh, you don't just have to go out to the wild to find this stuff. You can make an effort to bring it into your home landscape for, you know, people have various reasons why they'd like and want to do that. Right. Absolutely. Very good. Yeah. That's some cool stuff, John. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you bet, Ron. It's um, it's exciting to to have people's attention at this time, so to speak, given um, yeah, you know, given what's what's captured our attention, and uh, and so there's been suddenly a lot more interest in herbs, and uh, I, I feel um, I feel compelled to be of service and yeah. contribute whatever I can. So. Well, I, pre- I really appreciate your approach to, you know, just the natural world in general and the plants as allies in and of themselves, not necessarily having to ingest them. You know, there's power and healing in that, of course, but um, there's a lot of power and healing to be had through those other modalities that uh, is often overlooked. So I appreciate you bringing that conversation to the forefront. That's really important and uh, is right in line, obviously, with with this podcast and what I'm doing and, and trying to bring these kinds of conversations to people to help them reconnect on a more deeper level. And, uh, so I really appreciate what you're bringing in that conversation. So thank you, Ron. And I'm, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Thank you. And, uh, so two more questions real quick. Okay. I ask every guest, what are two or more books they might recommend? Um, I'm going to start out recommending your books, of course. Um, John has some amazing books, uh, Southwest Foraging, with, which came out a few years ago. And, and, and I'll add in here, John uh, considers himself a bioregional herbalist. So this is in the Southwest of the United States. Um, so Southwest Foraging is amazing. And then his most recent book that just came out, Southwest Medicinal Plants, uh, both amazing books. I've got both of them. I've used both of them out in the field and, uh, I'm really, really grateful for that work you put out, John, cause it's helped me, you know, connect on a deeper level. And, you know, I've got, I've put up tinctures that are, uh, mm. you know, <laughs> brewing right now that is going to be wonderful medicine for me in the future and, and That's great. other things. So I appreciate well, that. And in answer to your question, um, so on topic with with today's discussion and uh, whom I've already mentioned a couple times, he's been a great influence in my life as an author and then also as a mentor. Stephen, I'm going to mention two of Stephen Harry Buner's books. Okay. One, Herbal Antivirals. Herbal Antivirals, which came out in 2013, which I mentioned earlier, where you can find several pages that he wrote on coronaviruses there. Nice. Um, it's a very practical book. And he's been predicting the onset of these pandemic viruses for quite some time, as, mm. as several other people have. And there's a lot of information in there to understand how herbs work with the viruses. Um, and then also in line with some of the other discussion um, that we had earlier in regards to having relationship with plants, um, the first book that I read, which was nearly 20 years ago, that spoke to my experience when I hadn't really 
outside of indigenous circles heard, you know, discussion about this or certainly read anything was Stephen's book, The Lost Language of Plants. Mm. So The Lost Language of Plants by Stephen Herod Buner. And that's the first in a trilogy of books, um, the second of which is The Secret Teaching of Plants, and then the third is Plant Intelligence in the Imaginal Realm. But I would recommend anyone who hasn't read any of those three to start with the the first one. I say a trilogy just because they have a similar um, similar theme and um, yeah, they're well grouped together. Awesome. Perfect. And how can people further connect with you and your work and what you're doing, John? Yes. Um, I do. Uh, I do tend to post a lot on Facebook of late. So that's one possible way. And then I have my own website, uh, johnjslattery.com and people can subscribe to my email newsletter there. And uh, I post, um, I have a blog on there as well, which I post infrequently on, including uh, a post that has a lot of information about Elder and about COVID-19. People want to check that out. And uh, in any upcoming classes or workshops that I may be having, um, still holding out. I have one scheduled next weekend that got canceled. And mm. then the weekend after, I believe it is in Las Vegas. Uh, haven't canceled it yet, but uh, we'll see see if we get enough people that want to want to join us for a a wilderness adventure. Very good. Awesome, John. Well, you're doing amazing work. Really appreciate it. Um, And everyone out there who's listening to this, please connect with John in whatever way makes sense for you. Uh, He's putting out some really awesome stuff, awesome information, great message. And uh, appreciate you, John. Appreciate you coming on the podcast today. You too, Ron. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed that discussion. It was, uh, at least for me, a real message of hope and, and healing, and I really appreciated that from John. So I hope you got out of it what I did as well and that you're finding a little bit of light uh, through all this and, and being able to find time to recenter and reconnect uh, with yourself, your loved ones, the world around you. Uh, we really, you know, there's a lot of uh, sorrow and, and hurt and pain going on, but there's also a lot of really, really great opportunities that that this time in our world and our lives is giving us, and I hope we're all able to take advantage of that. So please go and uh, check out John's work and uh, patronize him. He's a, just a, a real awesome human being and, and is doing a great work. Uh, so check out his website, check out his Facebook page, get informed on uh, ways that we can uh, deal with this, you know, in a natural way, a way that's going to heal our bodies, our minds, and our souls. And uh, yeah, and please, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, uh, wherever it is you're listening to it, subscribe. Check out our Facebook page, our Instagram page, both under Wilderness and Wellness Podcast. Um, Please uh, feel free to send me any feedback. You can send that to ron at coyotespath.com. And uh, feedback in the form of reviews is always welcomed as well. And then share it with your friends. I sure appreciate that. And uh, been getting some really great feedback lately. I'm really happy about that. So I will continue to bring these awesome conversations to you. And I've got some real fun things planned for the near future. So uh, keep in touch with us and stay tuned. And we'll catch you on the next episode.